Welcome back to Design Pod and welcome to Series 3, brought to you by Hotel Designs and sponsored by Minotti London. By now, we've aired a few episodes of Design Pod, so I'm hoping that you kind of understand whether you like it or not. If you do like what we're bringing you, then please, please, please rate us five stars and subscribe so that you never miss a Design Pod episode. My name's Hamish Kilburn. I'm the editor of Hotel Designs. And simply put, I love hosting this podcast, bringing you raw, virtually unedited conversations with those who are vastly changing the game in design and architecture. We've had a little break from each other since series two, but we're now back with more interviews with who I can only describe as interior design and architecture legends, whether they know it yet or not. Each guest we have on the show are in their own right disrupting the industry in the most beautiful way. And Design Pod is all about airing the conversations that matter most for interior designers and architects. We cover everything in terms of sustainability, diversity, craftsmanship. The list really does go on, but we do want to hear from you, the listeners, on what you want to hear. So please follow us on Instagram at Hotel Designs or my personal Instagram handle is at Hotel Design Editor and send us a message on what you want to listen to. In this episode, to kickstart this series, I've headed out to Milan, an epicentre of design, to check out Salone del Mobile. This year's International Design Fair was perhaps more significant than any other year because it was the first full-scale Milan Design Week since 2019 due to the pandemic. And let me tell you, everyone was there. While at the show, I caught up with the founders of design studio Inoda and Shvei. Koyoka Inoda and Nils Shvei are the founders of the studio. They were thrown into the spotlight this year after unveiling their debut collection with luxury furniture brand Minotti. I spoke to them at the show and uh, published an interview on the Hotel Designs website if you want to read that, before they even had a chance to see their product on the stand. And I was so excited that following that interview, they agreed to also be on the podcast. Now, this isn't the first time we've had an interview with designers who work with Minotti. At the end of series two, you may have listened to it already, but we were joined by the founders of Gam Fritesi. So ahead of their 2022 collection, we really wanted to understand what we were to look forward to. They didn't give us much, but they did give us a real glimpse and a window into their studio. So feel free to scroll back in the archive to listen to what they had to say. But back to Anoda and Shvei, who designed three pieces this year for Monotti in both indoor and outdoor styles. They were named the Yoko, the Lars, and the Sendai. What's arguably most significant about this collection though, besides the detailed products, is the relationship between the two brands. Kuroko and Nils are used to working with small-scale artisans. Minotti, given the fact that their stand this year was no smaller than 3,200 square meters over two floors, is anything but small. So I was intrigued to understand how that bond developed and what they learn in the process. So let's meet them, shall we? Welcome, Niels and Kyoko. How is everything going since Milan last week? Well, I, th- I think on our part, everything is, is going very good. Thank you. Uh, we are still having um, a hard time in, in the sense that there's a lot of things to do. There's a lot of things to, to keep up with, but... Um, we are, we are still uh, floating on a, on a cloud as we were last time you saw us. 
<laughs> Last time we spoke, you had just literally arrived on the Minotti stand in Milan. You hadn't even had a chance to see your products before I ushered you into a corner for an interview that we then published on Hotel Designs. Since then, you've obviously seen the products. How was the reaction with the audience at Salone? The first reaction, of course, was uh, was our own. So after the interview, <laughs> we had a chance to to take a walk around the stand and uh, and see the, the extensive amount of prototypes that Minati had done. So if I'm not wrong, there were 80 something prototypes um, present wow. at, at, the, at the stand. So walking around among all these new prototypes where we've seen some of them, of course, uh, at earlier stages in, in the buildup, but we had not full comprehension of what we had done together with Minati. Mm. So going down and, and uh, going through all these things at the same time where we had the whole Minati team walking around presenting it for, for their clients, and our clients, was uh, quite an amazing feeling, uh, you know, to absorb and see, wow, we we done it, you know, because it, this yeah. is a big deal for us, naturally. So, so this that was sure. very, very satisfactory. And it was such a spectacular space. It felt to me, I wrote it in my editorial, but it felt like a mini hotel as opposed to a stand. You'd go to each area, it'd be slightly different. It would, But it all it had the design language of, of well, what Monotti is really, which is really sort of contemporary luxury. And, and it flowed really nicely. And I, I, I personally feel as if your products just worked so well within the other collections week. No, we, we obviously did our research um, before and, and during the process of developing these furnitures. So in that regard, we, we try, that is, see, the part of the process that we do is to study extensively the context that we are working in. So what we also talked about last time, and, and I suppose that is also the, always the, the story that we go back to when we talk about our process is, is the manufacturing process and how that relates to the materials the whole context of course is the client and in this case Minotti and their history and the more solid a company is uh, the more you have to work with I mean it, it's not like it's it's closing you down it actually gives you more opportunities and now we call it a stand talking like this also because we're on a fair but it wasn't really a stand it was a building and that yeah, that, for sure. that thing that that you it's a big home and we are there with, with the whole history of, of Minotti and the other collections, uh, some new, some, some changed. And that, that was, uh, of course, the first time that we had to see our pieces in relation to their other family members uh, in the whole Minotti collection, uh, not on the drawing board on, and not on the, in, in, in the idea or the concepts that we were created. So that was... Uh, that's like the final test, you could say, when, when they all go together into that, that building. And so just for the listeners' um, context, so Minotti started collaborating with designers 25 years ago when they collaborated with Rodolfo Dordoni, um, and then only five years ago um, started collaborating with outside designers from there, really. For you too, what, what does that mean and what does that feel like um, being quite early on in their history in terms of those outside collaborations to come on now? What does that feel for you two as designers? And how does that complement your studio the way it currently is? 
I, I think first we, we are a studio that, that work with few clients um, and, and tend to do it long term. So, so in that regard, of course, it's important when someone as important as Minotti comes, comes on board. For our uh, perception of ourselves, of course, it means a lot that in having so few designers working for the company, they choose to work with us. Uh, in the sense of the concept that we have of, of creating our designs, it's quite important. It helps us that they've done it this way and they are so young in the collaboration with, the, with other designers because it means that their DNA is stronger. And that is what, what we always are looking for is, is a client that, that has a, a, a clear and marked uh, idea behind everything they do. And, and they do it in Minotti so well. And Koko, we were talking last week um, about the call coming through and it really being your dream to work with Minotti. When that call came through from Minotti wanting you to work with them, what was going through your mind? It was so one, never imagined this happened coming to us. And it's totally amazing and I'm so excited. It was a dream come true. You spoke last week about, was it every week you dedicated a yeah. day to the collection? Um, yeah, it's about, What was that like? <laughs> it was about uh, six, seven months we worked with them. It, like our meeting was uh, once a week, almost once a week or once 10 days. And um, every time we, we were there, we walked whole day from the early morning to the late night. No, 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 late, late night. It's, it's about a seven o'clock or eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used all our energy. So usually uh, I couldn't move at all next day. <laughs> Because <laughs> whole fam- and Minot family has a lot of energy and they coming with all of their energy to bring to us. So we, we also have to accept this uh, energy and also we have to join with this energy. So we needed a lot of energy for that. So always <laughs> next day, I, I couldn't go out from the <laughs> home. So I stayed at home. <laughs> And then second day, anyway, Minot gave us a lot of tasks. So we had to work like seven days or 10 days for for next meeting. So we, like seven months, we had been working, working, working so hard only for Minot. But it was really amazing and enjoying, really nice. Well, it's the whole journey, isn't it, really? Um, And and they, although working really extensively with you, they, they really do allow you to design yourselves as opposed to sort of intruding too much. They really do allow you to take the brief and then design whatever comes to your mind in terms of what you want to present. With those meetings, are they more sort of technical meetings as opposed to um, design concept meetings? Also concept, of, of course, okay. technical things as well, but uh, they, they always uh, gives us more ideas and more impressions and they say a lot of opinion each one each one of the family so uh always the meeting was um, very how do you say a uh, constructive and also mm. uh, positive and lot of energy it's uh, i've never joined to that much uh 
um, how do you say, uh, um, positive meetings in, in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was really interesting speaking to you both last week because you said that you're not used to working to that tight of a deadline with, with products. Um, because really, as, as a studio and part of your DNA, I, I can say, I guess, is yeah. that you allow things to come to you quite naturally and quite authentically. Um, what was that like, that change of having a deadline? Was um, that helpful? But it was helpful in, in getting the job done. Uh, so <laughs> normally, of course, uh, coming from two different cultures, we have our problems we're discussing together and, and finding a solution to the to the things. And we normally talk us to it through um, wording of, of our concepts before we, we make drawings. In this case, and with that uh, time frame, we had to get the job done. We had to involve Minotti in, in this process. If not, it wasn't possible just to, to finish our part of it and then hand it over. Then we could have done a tenth of, of what we did in the time frame. Um, what, I, what I think maybe is not so clear of these meetings is that the, the meeting format is relaxed. It's, it's not the, a handover or something like that. It's like a continuous, uh, constructive, uh, not brainstorm, but, but still uh, technical issues where we want to go with, with the things. But uh, to make it functional, Minotti teams up with everybody. Uh, so that is uh, the whole family and the, the, the um, different departments and the leaders of the department. So the pressure is not from, from them to say, now let's, we're going to press you to have a, a hot meeting or something like that. It's, it's a very relaxed meeting format, just taking a long time because we talk us through everything. But for us, naturally, Minotti being who, the, who they are as a company, um, mm. investing this time in the meeting, so much time at top level in the company is a pressure because you, you know you're, you're sitting with people who have lots of other things to do also to, to manage a business and they're actually choosing to spend this whole day together with you to make new products and they will do it again next week and the next week again. So that, that is where the pressure comes from to perform. It's not so much that the meeting is, is, uh, is not relaxed or, and, and mm. it's not brainstorming or, or working towards solutions. That's actually a very nice format. You're just realizing who, who you're sitting around and maybe. Yeah, so I guess you're kind of putting the pressure on yourselves because yeah. you want to perform and you want the collaboration to be as good as it possibly can be. Definitely, um, you, 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 mm. have, uh, you have uh, marketing engineers, uh, prototyping, and, and as I said, uh, family members so so you have all these people of course sitting in on the meeting because they expect something to get out of it also so that that is yeah, uh, that's the pressure it doesn't come from them it, it comes from the situation ourselves and, and of course we want to perform yeah and i think one of the the key um attractions to you as a studio as well is the um is that the merge between two geographical locations. Um, Kiroko, you're from Japan. News, you're from Denmark. 
Copenhagen. So you as a studio together, I mean, you kind of infuse the the best of, of cultures within the studio in, in the projects you're working on. And it really takes a collection to be that much more global. How many years has it taken to really kind of craft that that relationship um, between the two geographies? I would say that it's it's um, 15 years we work together now. And maybe half the time we've been using on refining uh, the way we communicate during our work and uh, and what we don't communicate to say that there's there's so much we need to exchange between us to be able to to be constructive but there are also a lots of um, places where we don't go because right. being from different cultures and we have a, a pretty uh, unified idea about what values we want to develop but mm -hmm. we we don't have the same reasoning behind it so, so when we try to find the values and talk us towards that, uh, to set what, what is this or that product going to be, what values are we going to put into it, uh, we need to stay a, a little bit away of the reasoning for that and just see if we can touch base about what it is, but not how it is. Yeah. And when we were speaking last week, um, off record at this point, you guys were talking about why you don't have a large studio in terms of numbers. It is just you two working because of the way you communicate. Conversations can get heated. I thought that was really fascinating. It really made you two human, actually. What's the difficulty um, with not working with, with a large team? And, and why have you decided to do that in terms of just keep it between you two? I would think that it is uh, communication. And in our case, we try to use it as, uh, I would say, I would almost call it advantage that we don't speak our mother tongue, none of us. So it's probably no, some, not so much that it is an advantage in itself, but it allowed us to develop a process where we have this um, very strong idea of the non-set, all the things we haven't said, but we intend. So we have a lot of respect for the other one of the things that, in my case, the things that Kyoko wants to put into the product that I need to perceive, but she hasn't expressively said them in a way that I understand, either because right. uh, I'm, she's Japanese and I'm Danish and we're speaking Italian, or maybe because, and that's that's where it gets interesting, maybe because it's actually quite difficult to explain all these things for anybody, even if you were speaking your mother, mother tongue. But mm -hmm. having this problem allowed us to develop this, this process that works between us, where we have all these yeah. non-set uh, values floating around while we are developing furnitures. Yeah, and as we were saying earlier, it's, it's it's just as much about the journey than it is the end product. And what I found interesting when we were talking last week was that, you know, you, you have very kind of, um, you know, raw conversations with each other. If, if you disagree, you're going to say it and you're going to say it as, to, to, as you would a partner. And I find that really fascinating, actually, in terms of that's how you work and that's how you communicate and that's why you get to the products. I'm just wondering, are there sort of areas that you disagree on more than others, i.e. like the concept or the finish or the the the, the look and feel? What What is it that kind of are the, the, the loggerheads, if you like? <laughs> it's, it's, I think, um, as, as we mentioned, that the, the way, we, the process we have is to define as much as possible by words before we even start talking about the details uh, and, mm. and the materials used and, and all these things. 
So it's hard to agree on, but it's it's like after when we get the basic concept down, the, the ball starts rolling. And say, uh, yeah. it feels like a, a lot of agreement is, is building up there. And when we come to the detailing, it's there's there's nothing not to agree upon there because we actually we never had that problem that that we had at that point a different perception of what is good and what is not good for this uh, for this product. Yes. So it is so clear at that point that that anything any one of us comes up with is just fit and and I guess I it's like finding the right ingredients to bake a cake. You know, if you've got all the right ingredients, then you've got the the structure and the the foundation, and then any other kind of flavorings you add along the way that complement that, then then it works. And I can definitely see how that's. Yeah, imagine, analogy. <laughs> imagine you are making this cake and with another cook, of course, it's not easy. But if you exactly are, if you really trust before you start making the cake that that you have the same understanding about how the cake should look like and how it should taste like, and you trust the other cook in, in a manner of, of handcraft to be able yeah. to, to do that, then if if it the, the sugar comes from from this box or that other box, it's still the sugar and the amount of sugar and you know whether it's it's brown sugar or white sugar is is the predefined kind of so that that is how it is yeah. for us. No, that's great. So let, let's talk about the collection then because um, we've got Yoko, we've got Lars, and we've got the Sendai, which are three new items for Monotti, which launched um, only last week and in Milan. Um, I believe that the collection started with Yoko as your first product that you guys designed. Can you talk to us a, a little bit about that product and, and what are the standout features? Um, <clears throat> yes, it, it did definitely start with Yoko, as, as you said. I think uh, it's probably the furniture that, that is the reasoning why Minotti asked us to, to come aboard. Um, and... Uh, so we've been, we've been working with uh, craftsmen around the world uh, for the past many years, especially with the woodcraft. It's this basis of making furniture that, that you should feel with your hands also. So of course, a furniture, the only reason why we have them is because it's an interface between you and the building you are in. So to support your body. But it's, it's so much in your intimate zone that the tactile part of it is, is everything. And uh, for us, wood has been that previously. And now we are adding uh, the textile and the detailing in, in the upholstery to it uh, with what we are learning from, from Minotti. And uh, I, I, I think that having this um, armrest and, and the, the kind of strict structure when you look at it from, from a, a distance, but actually the the legs are not completely straight. Um, there's, there is not a single straight curve in the chair, even if when you look at it, the, the first impression you have is something of a very strict structure. I think that uh, that is what, what we do well. And I think it's also exactly what Minotti wanted from us when they approached us first. Uh, so that's that's where we started the whole, um, the, ho the whole thing of, of collaboration. Then what happened was that moving forward at a, at a certain point, we, we were supposed to see some prototypes and had two weeks without meetings. And after one week, uh, we get a call from, from Minotti asking if we can come back and have another meeting. And it was like, 
that's a week too early. They can't have made the prototypes this fast. Oh, no. um, so a little worried, we, we went to another meeting and uh, that was when they decided to postpone the furniture fair for two months. So we get to this meeting and you say, collaboration is going really good. And now we have two extra months. So why don't we make some more furnitures? <laughs> Oh, wow. So the I don't know if the I say initial idea. No, it's fine. So the initial <laughs> idea was literally just to launch the, the Yoko chair. And then with the extra time you had because of the delay of the fair, you were able to design more furniture pieces for Monotti. That's an we, amazing we, story. We were, we were working on, on a lot of pieces also in that period. It's not like yeah. we started from zero with, with the other things. We were been working on other things, but it was mainly the, the Yoko. At that time. Yeah, it was nice to create a positive out of what was seen as a negative at the time. Yeah, we were so used weather to, two months later. <laughs> we were so used to meeting every week. So, so, why, why <laughs> so, so when we thought we were we were going into the phase of um, correcting prototyping and relaxing maybe a little bit more, there were another two months. Wow. So then I guess the, the Lars was born or was it the Sendai first? It was actually the last first. Yeah, last one. So so last was born after. Mm. So if, if yeah. you notice the, the leg structure of Lars and Sendai is not that far apart. Um, yeah. But but the use of it uh, is different. And that is why they are they're separated into two distinct families. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And just for our listeners, um, uh perspective they can they can well we, we've published all of this on the hotel designs website you can go through the whole entire collection um and we've also published the interview with um in order and Schwer as well so you can see all of their products that are in in situ and they're looking beautiful guys <laughs> yeah so so one of the things that we wanted to do there was that while yoko have this kind of um strict uh, orientation with the frame going on um, mm -hmm. Lars and Sendai does exactly not have that. And that's, that's the idea of making some um, accessory furnitures to place around the, 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 the base Minotti furnitures, that is the sofas and the other furnitures that exist in the, in the Minotti collection. So we needed something, a little uh, area to put around. And, and what we decided for was to have furnitures that are, that are not too directional in their positioning. Um, and that is why they, they are these uh, cloudy things. They have shapes, but they are, they're not very defined. Um, and mm. then, of course, the detailing is, is what, what we do. And that, that's been very interesting for us to work so much with upholstery, because that is new for us. Um, I mean, on the level that Minotti do upholstery, it's got to be new for anybody because they are on a totally different level of their own. So that is, uh, that's been a learning process for us to, to do these kind of um, furnitures. And I, I love the, the, the Sendai sofa um, being in situ around a dining table, which I, we, I mean, a sofa around a dining table doesn't sound very formal, but the way in which Minotti have now lowered their tables to make it more reclined it just feels more inviting i think yeah so that that is a, that is an actual uh, invention by minotti um mm. to, to do this thing and it's going to be very interesting because it fits very good with other 
things going on in how our culture is changing at the moment and how we are having uh, dinners. Um, so, so this uh, transition uh, from the dining table towards the, the living room uh, is, is something that, that is happening or has been happening for the last 20 years, but we don't have that many furnitures to accommodate it. So that, that's going to be very, very interesting to see when is that uh, going to pick up also in our choice of furnitures, because I would say that the function that it fulfills is, is already needed. I mean, there's a lot of people already having uh, dinners in that mixed way. So it's, uh, that, that's, yeah. that's, but it's definitely a, a Minotti invention that, that comes in there in the product. Yeah, but that's beautiful, the, the two sort of, merging together i mean it's the real sort of um epitome of a collaboration isn't it you've designed the product and then they've they've at, at the same time they've been working on this concept for a while and actually it's merging the two together and it, it works beautifully together um i don't think it would have been quite the same not having a, a sofa within that set to really sort of show that they've, they've lowered it and to make it more reclined the sofa very is very, very important because the sofa is the piece that explains it. I mean, just having the single yes. seatings do the same thing, but you don't really notice. When you see the sofa there, you, you realize it's a sofa, but it's a dining table. And that's very good to explain the, the story. A funny side note on that is that um, some years ago, it must be oh, five years ago, we had a client calling because they wanted to use one of our previous sofas for having a breakfast at the dining table. Okay. And I told them that was a bad idea because it, it doesn't have the right height and it doesn't have the right inclination. So you won't be enjoying it. And they keep pushing. This couple was new married and they wanted to sit together and have the breakfast um, <laughs> and, not, and not on a bench, but you know, comfortable. Yeah. So it ended up that they decided to come from Belgium to Milano to try the sofa because uh, of, of this need. And they couldn't believe that, that I wouldn't sell it to them. <laughs> but I was really pushing them because they had, a, they had a, a function they needed fulfilled and the sofa couldn't do that. But they came, they tried the sofa, they agreed on the problem, but they wanted it anyway. And, and since they have been very good clients of us. Um, so they accepted the... The problem of the wrong inclination of a standard sofa, we could, we could arrange for the height, but not for the, for the inclination. So finally now to be able to say, now we got that, I mean, when, when they have the uh, uh, 10 years uh, anniversary or something like that, we need to inform them that now they can finally get the correct seatings for their, yeah. their breakfast. That's amazing, isn't it? It's just like the the demand actually being being fed, and there being a product at the end of it that actually feeds that demand is is what design's all about. I would say it, it is, sure. and and especially with the, the the demand. I mean, one thing is the um, the aesthetics of the things, and and the uh, you make that that's actually I would say everything and and nothing. I mean, but it should always respond to a a need that you also have. I mean, it's to, we are creating tools, and then mm -hmm. of course they should that you should be aesthetically pleasing, and they should be created with the best handcraft that we can we can put into them. Um, but in the end, they are they are tools, 
and they should respond to a, an, a social need or a behavioral need that for people. And we, yeah. I think we are very much, uh, it's a very big part of the process that we have to, to think uh, behavioral design also when we make furnitures, because a, a chair is so much about how you can have a conversation with people around you as it is how you're sitting in it. And if you consider going into a, any room, half the chairs you will actually be seeing from behind. So how, how does a person look like and, and, and how do we present a person sitting in the chair? Is we, we want people to look, look good and look nice and, and not, not just be comfortable, but also be presentable for everybody yeah. around them. That's, I mean, that's really fascinating. You, you said in our interview that, you know, we, we design around the whole environment. And I think only by doing that, you can really understand the behavioral um, aspects of, of how a product needs to be designed in a certain way. Um, and especially, I mean, I come from a hotel design perspective, but especially in hotels and lobbies that are, you know, they're, they're walking into a new era, really, and having to be all things and all to everyone at any given time. So the furniture really is the, the tool that can can really speak volumes in terms of um, encouraging conversation, encouraging interaction in the right way and the way that's sensitive to the space, but also aesthetically pleasing as well. And, and everything's about evoking the, the branding of that hotel as well. So I think products like um, the Yoko is striking and, and the fact that it really embraces the imperfection, I think that's really wonderful. Yeah, uh, it, it, it is. And, and we try always to have, so if you notice the Yoko, for example, it has a, a rather long seat in the back. Mm. And, and the reason for that is, is actually just this small detail that when you go into a, a restaurant and, and you have this chair, if people, some people tend to sit very far back in the chair. And if you all mm. are also slightly big, your butt will, often, even if you're comfortable, so it's not about the comfort, but your butt will come out in the back of, of the chair. And it just doesn't look nice for anybody. And, and yeah. so you can't really feel it, but, but it makes a difference of how we present you. And, and that is, yeah. you could say, behavioral design, then that thing of actually, you're not changing your behavior. So it was a little wrong, but, but we are, you know, presenting you. It's the chair is a platform to present you. And, and especially in a in an environment like a hotel or somewhere but where you maybe you're going for a meeting or maybe you're going to have a nice dinner out you know so it's it's quite important that we th we, th we think this into it always. yeah i think also with that particular product it's designed for indoor and outdoor you've got two variations so in from from a from the designer's perspective i mean how do you see that product being used differently indoors and outdoors and looking differently is, is the outdoor version more kind of relaxed and and the indoor more formal what what would you say i think we were both very surprised uh of making the outdoor version as refined as the indoor version we, we didn't really expect that when we started this collaboration. We were designing um, an indoor chair and then came about this idea that it would still be possible to make it outdoor also using mm. uh, precious wood as teak and keep the detailing but changing of, of the armrest that is and changing the, the upholstery. So that for us is, is a turning point because generally uh, the perception is that outdoor furnitures are a little more rough than indoor. So having the mm -hmm. same frame and then uh, Minotti's capability of 
having this. So in Go, we have these, um, which we are, we are very proud of, uh, these cushions, whether you could say that the concept of the chair is almost as a, a shell that's been cushioned, but it is thick and refined that it's, it's not an upholstery uh, blurby thing, but it's it's not a it's not a shell either. It's more like a, a very big soft cushion, and that that's something in between the upholstery standard big uh, seatings and the shell. But it's not as as thin and and easy as a as a shell only. And going from that indoor and then to the outdoor, where we of course have to change because we can't put the the leather on on the outdoor. Uh, that, that's where we say, I would say Minotti really showed their um, heritage also of working with, with, uh, with in these two environments and do it so refined. So that was, that was mm. I would say, that was a part of the design where we got a lot from Minotti helping us to, to find solutions, uh, to be able to, to pull that off and have now this, uh, this extremely refined outdoor furniture yeah and what what are you working on now what's what's next maybe not for Minotti obviously we're never going to know well everything's very very closed off but in terms of what you're working on as a studio and actually what what does a day in the life of you two look like like what's your standard day what time do you wake up what do you what time do you head to the studio is it structured or is it very laid back Kuroko you're laughing so I kind of want to come to you (laughs) no uh as you know we have uh, we have also showroom in a center of the Milan. Mm-hmm. So the showroom itself have to be opened at 11 o'clock. So we start to work <laughs> at 11 o'clock. <laughs> That's late. Uh, yeah, and, um, but night is until set, set eight, maybe. Yeah, eight. Yeah. So I guess you're always working as well. You're always yeah, kind yeah. Of anyway, thinking about the product. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, mind is always going like 24 hours. And uh, we talk about only the design and also each each second when we notice something, we start to talking about our work and also design and concept and so on. So somehow we are working all of the time, but somehow physically maybe working less than a less than minute. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's how you met, wasn't it? Your your love of design. You you told me about how you met you two um last last week. Um and it was a was it Nils, you were studying, you were working for um, a famous architect or designer. Yeah, and I was working for Stefano Giovannoni and, and of course, just yeah. graduated and, and was uh, started to work as a freelance um, when we made in Milano. And it, it definitely it was uh, talks. So we had mutual friends, um, but, but the discussion was around uh, materials at the time, actually, uh, ecological materials that we could shave into. To products um, and then uh, or that maybe it was just an excuse for talking together you never know really know but, but here we are today but I, it's it's really wonderful for me to look like to analyze it I guess because it's um it's very similar to how you operate and work you know it's a very natural process and it seems to be a very natural process as to how you both came together and complemented one another with your skill set and knowledge and talent um, raw talent I would add as well yeah for sure. we very much so try to um, to build so we, we we really want to have our our work 
to be an evolution and not a revolution. So we really try to put bricks on bricks. And that's also when, when Kyoko explained about the, the gallery we have here. It's, it's also mainly because of that. So a part was that we started working with artisans uh, out in the world that didn't distribute in Europe. So we want to bring the pieces here. But another part is that we have a pretty good uh, understanding, I would say now, of the workshop because we, we travel a lot and we've been working with a lot of uh, artisans. So we, we go out and stay for months in the workshops uh, and make uh, development. So we very often take the, um, the conceptual process out in the workshop and do it there. What we didn't have at that point was to shortcut the other end of it and have the input from the final client. And that is, that is why we have the gallery. That is to, so we are sitting here now and we've been talking for an hour maybe. Nobody has come in. It, it's, not, it's not crowded. We don't have that many clients, but that's good because we are supposed to be creative in, in this part of the job. But we are open for the public and, uh, and we have uh, um, clients that come in and we explain to them the furnitures and we get feedback from that. And that's, that's our way to, to shortcut the process and, and be influenced. And that's what we believe so much in that evolution I mentioned before, that we believe so much that if we just try to be conscious all the time about the process and then get influenced uh, from, the, from the production and from the end user, eventually then talking together about what what's good and what's not we 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 have a thing going for us yeah and it's really important to have a presence um because otherwise people won't be able to see what, what you are doing and people clients won't be able to establish you know your, your style which is so so signature i think to, to what you do yeah i think i think um i mean we, we are naturally uh working on only furnitures now so maybe one thing that that's, um, that could be said, we started having the office together being industrial designers and do um, uh, technological development um, as consultants. And then we, we moved into furniture very slowly over the, the 15 years. And that meant that we were able to do that without doing compromises. We didn't have to mm. get a client because we had the consultancy um, paying for for the for the food on the table so with the furnitures we were able to evolve this with the pace that we've been talking about our own pace doing it slowly and doing it as we think it should be done without compromises that that's been very good and that is uh, now that is 100 of what we're doing um we we are working on artisan um products with the with some of the the people we've been working with before, uh, new ones. Minotti is the big one in, in our world, of course. And that's, that's how it must be, because uh, I, I don't think we could service so many of companies like that. It, it takes uh, a lot of time. When Minotti needs us, uh, we need to be, you know, they have a, lot, a different time frame from what we do normally. So, mm -hmm. so uh, having availability in that there when it needs also means that uh, it's 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 good that way. So I would say when you ask what we're working on, we can't say for who, but but we are working mm. on on smaller uh, artisans yeah. uh, and as we done previously around the world. 
And um, what advice before before we leave, because I know we're running out of time, but um, what, what advice would you give to designers who, who want to um, collaborate with a brand but have no clue as to how to make that first introduction? Uh, hard question, because <laughs> we kind of have this process of evolving that we, yeah. we don't approach the companies. No, for We're sure. We're very lucky that, that uh, in this case, Minazi approached us when they... But I would say that the reason why they approached you was because you've got a clear vision and a clear style. And yes. obviously all your products are different, but the way in which you approach the, the each project you're working on but is I, perhaps... I, why? Sorry, I, I wouldn't say that it necessarily works for everyone. So th this fact that we had uh, consultancy on one hand, and was able to, to build up our furniture designs slowly and, and always building on top of the previous, uh, so we could go in one direction and just be there. Um, I think that in generally, if you, if you start up an, a studio and you want to be a, a furniture designer, you do need to make compromises. You can't have a business without doing some compromises now and then. So my advice would be not to do it because then you have a more clear profile. But that's not a very good business advice. We were just <laughs> able to do it because we had another business, you could say, at the time. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? I guess the because it is a business at the end of the day, the, the business head's always battling against the creative, you know, designer head I guess as in business and that's what I find quite fascinating when I speak to people like yourselves is um how actually the 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 clear goal at the beginning isn't a financial goal it's a creative goal that naturally obviously has to be commercial and work for the client and by working with a client it's easier to think more commercially than if you're just designing the product on your own because you're as you said earlier Niels you know you go into the meetings really wanting to um ensure that you put your best foot forward for them so you're always trying to impress i guess and, and give back what what you feel as if is deserved the, i think it's a huge yes, um that that, that, is, huge that point. is correct and of course in the case with minati it helps that you you know that for the financial part or the business part of of the collaboration they are very uh well settled and, yes, and you absolutely. can trust that that Minati knows the market, they knows where they want to go. So you don't have to be with smaller companies. Maybe you need to take that hat on also. In this case, mm -hmm. you can actually be more about uh, design as aesthetical and then tech, technical, tech, uh, the technical part or the technical, technical aspects yeah. of it. Uh, but mm -hmm. you don't have to go into the whole uh, business side of things. Um, yeah, and that's been quite a relief because normally we also have to be part of that, of course, of, of building up something. We, we've been working with artisans, like very, very small artisans that didn't have a distribution when we started with them, but they were so interested as artisans that we just wanted to make it happen. So, so we are part of the, of the distribution, you know, getting out of the country for the first time and stuff like that. So we, we've been also presenting uh, on fairs and stands before but never like uh, the the minotti building i i've never seen out. anything like it <laughs> it was huge you and, could and, get and lost the, team, the, the people we, we had around 
uh, it, it, that was that was so amazing that you ha you have um, colleagues presenting yeah. you know the furniture and in a very good way, which is also new to us because we um, we generally present the furniture that we did previously just from a aesthetical or I would say almost exit from a productive point of view. Mm. So it, it looks like what it looks like because we produce it in this way. But suddenly um, being on, on the, in the Minotti building at the fair with the, the Minotti team, you hear them with, because of course it's, it's a different professional level. So the, the people, the clients they have are also furniture resellers. And the discussion is very much about the strategy and, and houses and, and whole, uh, the whole application of the whole collection. So it's it's an it's a different um, way of of selling the furniture. It's not just one single chair. It's one. It's a chair in a context of a company that has a, a plateau of collections to mm. deliver, and that is uh, that is something new for us and and very. Yeah, I, I have a mean question just to end this. Um, what from the other collections that or the other um, items that were unveiled this year? which which um pieces did you did you really love i'm not going to ask your favorite because i know they're all beautiful but which really sort of caught your eye and you were really impressed by the 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 design from our products. no from, from the other, oh no from from yes. the other designers but i i know what you're gonna say so you can just say oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the horizontal uh, yeah by, uh, it's beautiful by, isn't it yeah Kogan. it's it's so beautiful. It's very simple, but uh, it's uh, details in it. It's, it's yes. I know it's gonna be. It's usually it's very difficult if you design uh, something very simple, but uh, put some details in it. It's uh, it's yeah. yeah the, the it's concept, amazing. So I loved. I loved so the concept. Yeah, the concept was fine. just starting with the line that line being the horizon it just oh it just takes you there you can just see how it's been developed and you can yeah it's really really beautiful yeah and, and that's, then it's, that's really it, interesting it's it's followed through in all the details with the with the stitching and you know so it's not yeah. just the concept but it's it's also uh, an artisan piece mm. where you can you can keep uh, magnifying uh, it from from you approach it from far away and you can go closer and closer and it, it just a story that evolves and and is pleasant and it's the same story on on different scales which is what we generally love because we we never want to surprise people or, or have contrast so this is still and, and like, it's also a concept you imagine you have a concept and then if you change the scale a different concept mm -hmm. that happens now and often in design it's much nicer if it's just you can just go closer and closer you can get more and more customs to the product and it's the same concept that just evolves in more and more refined and it does that it does that really beautiful so it's it's interesting when we talk about values in the start of the interview and and i say this so when we have our concept build up we know exactly how to to solve this problem so in this case of course it's not a problem the, the horizontal is already done it's fantastic but i know exactly that kyoko likes that we don't need to um 
talk yeah, about that hopefully. first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> well, long may, and I really mean this because I, I think you guys are, are fantastic. Long may your story evolve in this industry with Minotti and in the future as well. Um, thank you so, so much, Neil Zinskoko. Honestly, it's been so lovely meeting you and um, you've just been so warm and open. So thank you. Thank you very much, Hamish. And there you have it, my interview with Amnorda and Shvey. What you really need to understand about this episode is that before Salone del Mobile, considering that Minotti drop just one collection per year, it's a big deal. And aside from the people in Minotti in that close-knit family, nobody knows anything about the collection. Nobody knows who the designers are until literally a few days before where we're given a very, very brief teaser. So when I heard about Anoda and Shvey, rightly or wrongly, I didn't know much about the studio. So on my way to Milan in delayed flights and all sorts, I was researching about the studio, trying to understand who they were as people, but also understand their, their message as a brand. And, you know, you can read all the articles that are out there. But I just don't think you can ever capture the essence of who people are behind the design until you really meet them face to face. And I hope more than anything that this episode of Design Pod has given you a window into their studio that hasn't really been opened before. What I love about Kyoto and Niels and what really strikes me about them is their cool, calm and collected approach to design as well as business. And I think, in my opinion, that's what really attracted Minotti to them. And they were able to add just something different, just another layer to, to this year's collection, which dropped in Milan. And it was, it was a sensational collection of furniture pieces. Just to add, when I mentioned heated discussions uh, in the interview, I think I was probably more referring to passionate. And the only reason why I asked it, I really wasn't trying to be a sensational journalist, is... Um, because they mentioned in our in our interview over in Milan that they don't want to grow their, their team beyond what they are, which is just two people who have a massive passion for design and that's part of their life. And I totally get that because you can have conversations with your partner that you can't have with other people. And I get it and that's their approach and that's what works for them. If you want to read my exclusive interview with the pair, as well as more about the Minotti 2022 collection, which I think you absolutely have to do if you're going to listen to this episode, because what Enoda and Shvey have added to this year's collection is, is, is pretty sensational, actually. You can do so over on the Hotel Designs website, but to make it super easy for you, I've added the links in the description to this episode. That is all we've got time for for this episode, and I will see you soon.